0: Listeners, we are excited to be in the same room again, finally recording new episodes. Today we're going to be talking about mental health and the stigma associated with it in the brown community.
1: We have a guest with us today. We have talked about, long talked about, bringing different Indian women, different uh, fellow shitty Indians uh, onto the show, who we share similarities with, who we're different from. We just want to know where the Indian women are and you know, who they are, and we're, we're still finding each other. So uh, we think that you're really going to love the things that she said. I loved the things that she said concerning these topics. We know that you are going to love hearing what she has to say about these topics.
0: Right. She's so going to stick around, and we're going to talk about um, hate crimes, and we're talking, as I said, we're going to talk about mental health. So those are our two major topics for the day. And before we do that, we need to talk about some housekeeping things. We've updated the blog. Yes,
2: we have. We have updated www.jiltedindianpod.com to include a shitty Indian guide. Um, On there, we have a shitty Indian encyclopedia that we will build out that features different shitty Indians. And if you haven't caught on by now, we're using the term shitty Indian the way the onion uses any headline um, (laughs) to mean the opposite of what it is. So it will be... Uh, encyclopedia of amazing um, brown people doing things other than doctoring and engineering. Not that those are bad things, but there are so much more um, different makers and world changers out there that we want to make sure that we all know who they are. Um, Also for Shitty Indian is the official leaderboard where you guys have heard us starting to keep score on there. So we are going to update it. We want you to play along. Uh, Tag us in your tweets or on Facebook with the hashtag shitty Indian and we'll look look it up and every week we'll feature a different reason that somebody has given themselves shitty Indian points. And that's one of the rules of the game is that you are only allowed to give yourself points. We're not going to call each other shitty Indians. We're going to call ourselves shitty Indians and you get one point per event. And if you feel like your points merit doubling or tripling, (laughs) let us know you have to bring it to the circle and we'll talk about it on air and make we a decision the, as a consensus yes how <laughs> shitty are you will help you make that decision so those are the only housekeeping items we have um and so let's take it away
1: hello jilted indians this is miranda puja and Anju. and we are here with a guest jilted indian our friend shamila say hello
0: hi there
1: Shamila and I went to high school together in an unnamed city in Texas. And
0: an unnamed time. (laughs) And an
1: unnamed time. We don't need to go there. We don't talk about that. So um, uh, Shamila and I went to um, high school together. We took classes (laughs) together. We knew each other. And we reconnected via Facebook?
3: That's correct. Yeah, I think so.
1: So uh, what's especially important about having Shamila here, at least to me, is that earlier this year, I realized that I was struggling with depression. And Shamila, being amazing like she is, she reappeared in my life. And uh, very timely. We met for lunch Mm -hmm. at a place called Mod Market, and she was just there, she would just talk with me and we would catch up, laugh a little. I laugh more now than I did then, mm-hmm. but I, we decided it would be amazing to have her on the show. We already decided. She should be on it mm-hmm. um, before we asked, but thanks for... <laughs> thanks <laughs> for agreeing. Thanks for joining us. Thanks yeah. for agreeing.
2: Thanks for um, being Voluntold. <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> voluntold. I like that. Um,
3: I steal that. <laughs> yeah.
1: Voluntold. So um, we appreciate you being here, uh, me personally, because she uh, helped me through a very, very, very difficult time. And so we wanted to talk about several things today, including mental health and the stigma with receiving help for mental health issues in brown people communities. So, Shamila, we would like to hear more about you. We wanted to know what your origin story was, so take it away.
3: Wow, thank you, first of all, for being so sweet and so kind, and I wanna say that it has been Really wonderful for me too to reconnect with you. Um, I'm, I mean, I know, I know that it was during a difficult time, but it's been it's been sort of a privilege getting to know, like us getting to know each other as adults. You know, as the real women that we are, not the crazed, confused children we were yes, back then. So that was, I definitely accurate. appreciate that. Uh, my origin story, I. I literally pulled out an essay I wrote in grad school so I could get the details right. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, I was explaining to Miranda just the other week that I don't really know what generation I'd be considered. My great-great-grandfather left India. That's on my dad's side. Left India um, and went to South Africa. That's where my dad was raised, in Pretoria, South Africa, Uh, during apartheid, if that means anything to anybody, Uh, and my mom's side of the family, my grandfather left India a little bit later. They were actually, my mom's side of the family was born in India, her parents. My grandfather did end up in South Africa in Yutaneg, which is a smaller town, and my grandmother, my mom's mom, didn't actually show up in South Africa until she was 16, which is when she was married to my grandfather so uh, that was definitely interesting to recall those details Um, and then my parents actually stayed in South Africa my dad until about 12 I think that's when his family moved over to England and then my mom stayed in South Africa until my dad married her so I guess that's a recurring theme Um, and then they were in England where I was born well my older brother first and then I was born but I didn't really grow up there, so I think when I was about six months old, uh, we moved stateside uh, for business and things like that. So we already had family down here, too. So I don't know, guys, what does that make me generation wise? Do you have any idea?
2: Pooja. Oh my gosh.
0: <laughs> yeah. You are
2: diasporic twice removed. Yes. Yeah, you're like me. So um, your family went from India to a middle ground, middle ground to America. Well, yeah.
0: technically, two middle grounds, because she also wants it. To- what, England? England? Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. she personally was born right. in England two right. so, years. But the family, right. Yeah. yeah, right.
3: Okay, yeah. So that counts for something. <laughs> and yeah, it's. I've always said we're an international family, so that's fun. Um, as far as my origin story, did we? I guess the other thing I have to add is that you know we speak a lot about you talk about Indians being you know that that's the main cultural piece, but for me it actually comes down to religion. So the reason that my great-grandfather, great-great-grandfather, came to South Africa was to bring the Ismaili religion. Yali mudad, anybody who might be listening. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Anyway, so... um, What does that mean? It means, it's a greeting, Mm -hmm. okay, for Ismailis, but really it kind of translates to, um, O Ali, may Ali help you. And Ali either means Hazrat Ali, and that's the Shia, sort of the beginning of the lineage there. Or it, it also can just mean Ali is one of the 99 names of Allah, means the Exalted One, if I have that correct. And so you could just be saying, uh, may God help you. May the Exalted One guide and support you. Thank you for sharing yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. So I feel like we've been blessed now. <gasps> wow. That's a good way to start off. Yeah, yeah that's right. Exactly. So um, and I, I guess I will say I'm not... You know, I am so I'm not just a shitty Indian. I guess I'd also say I'm a shitty Ismaili. We're the so, shitty Christian. Okay. Anybody? No. I don't Wait, I'm a stellar Hindu. No. <laughs>
2: Namaste. May the light in me see the light in you. Oh, shukriya,
3: shukriya. Yeah, that's what it means
2: in yoga. So <laughs>
3: That's what it means anyway. Oh, no. yeah, yeah. Okay.
1: oh man, amazing.
3: That's great. All right. Okay. Wait. What? What? What about this one? I here?
0: am barely a Christian. If I mean, I was baptized. I think that's where it <laughs> ended. Okay.
2: <laughs> All right. She screamed.
0: <laughs> the devil
2: left her
3: body,
1: <laughs> and now
2: we have Angie. <laughs>
1: awesome. Uh, right. But sorry, we interrupted. No, no,
3: that's fine. That's fine. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I, I say that to say I have lots of respect for the Ismaili community in DFW. There's a big one. Uh, I will do my best not to dishonor anybody, but I am who I am. <laughs> so we'll go from there. Welcome. Um, You're among your people. I yeah. think <laughs> so. I feel it. I feel Speaking it. of dishonoring, Yes.
2: <laughs> our, our second question for all our guests. What makes you a shitty Indian? Oh, this
3: is fabulous. <laughs> I thought about this one, too. Right? <laughs> so I I look white. I can pass as white. And I kind of thought about that, that that does sort of make me a shitty Indian because, number one, no one's ever going to stop me unless they look at my name. And even if they do look at my name, I still pass. And so I, I just think that's an interesting concept given the culture that we live in right now that no one's really going to look at me twice. Right. So other people, you guys right. probably have different experiences than maybe even I do. Mm-hmm. So just thought about that. Ooh. I am living with a boy. <gasps> <gasps> He's white, by the way. Oh, oh, double murder? Oh. <laughs> what are the aunties saying? Oh, Let's not talk about the aunties. I the aunties know. do not like it. So um, <laughs> No, I mean, you know, it's it was definitely something that it was not expected of me and but you know what it's been going on for a few years now and, and we're very happy and, and my family is is very much a part of our lives so it seemed to have not not have ended the world. <laughs> so <laughs> that's really nice to know. Congratulations. Yes. Congratulations.
2: Thank, Thank you so. for not being the apocalypse. Yes. <laughs> <Well>. <laughs> I would
3: have had to get my slayer again. What <laughs> yeah. about right. so there may be more. Oh, yeah, of course. I don't speak Gujarati, Hindi, Urdu, any of them. Um, high five. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. I saw my first Bollywood movie when I was in college. I don't know if that counts. That's pretty late. I was yeah. in high school. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Um and there was two but whatever
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was it was more of it was a bystander and I, I, I you had stood no by choice for three hours <laughs> <laughs> I, I had no choice you're in India
3: you you're that. a kid you
1: must what have. do you
3: do yeah, that's Nothing. true that's true yeah uh, yeah so you know I've worn the clothes which I love but I, I I will say that I didn't realize the importance of having them fitted to the inch of your body. And that they needed to be covered in so many beads. I I grew up wearing plainer clothes. I thought they were so fancy and pretty. Truly, they're not. They're not at all. (laughs) I was wrong. I was laughed at at (laughs) weddings. Okay, maybe not that, but, you know, it was definitely definitely news to me. So, anyway.
1: I I think when you're not used to it, it's just itchy.
3: Right? You know, I I never had a problem with that. I enjoyed wearing them. I wore them since I was little. Or heavy.
0: Is that the beadwork is heavy? The,
3: the, I never even had those, and perhaps that was an expense issue. I'm not sure. I'm just saying that when I got older, and I actually, in college, I met real Indians, and they, you know what I mean. <laughs> no, we definitely do. Less <laughs> shitty Indians, and i South Asians. Oh, no, they're of,
2: shitty, but in a different
3: way. way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're right. You're right, my new friend. Okay, so, yeah, so but South Asians in general, and, and I would go to different parties and weddings, and I would see what they were wearing and go, Oh, I see how this doesn't work. To be fair, I think
0: that's the new, like, the ridiculous lengths that fashion has gone to be gaudy is a thing that has happened because of the diaspora and how we love to show off at fancy occasions. Okay. So I think like the more normal things is what people used to wear. <laughs> <laughs> With just a few
3: beads and yeah, and Yeah, that's more like normal of mirrors.
0: normal normal clothes. Okay. Okay. Everybody
2: look like they're 15. <laughs> <laughs> like yes. The normal. normal clothes. <laughs>
3: yeah. Oh, okay. Well, that's that's helpful. I, I feel healed now. <laughs> 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 Thank you. you <laughs> All right. Uh, okay, and
0: why don't you tell us what you do?
3: So I am a licensed marriage and family therapist, and I work with mostly I work with couples, um, but I work with a lot of young adults and some families. And every once in a while, I'm very happy to say brown people come to see me. Oh, cool! Awesome. Oh. It's always very exciting. <laughs> so,
1: I yeah, I mean I I teach brown kids. Uh, you all saw my kids' recital picture, and like a what two thirds, half of them were either Asian or. Indian or Middle Eastern and uh, Asian and Indian we'll talk about that <laughs> later but um, it's so cool when you see someone uh, Indian I think it's really cool because you connect with them in some kind of way mm-hmm. maybe you know what I mean so I think it's pretty even cool.
2: if it's just the excess of hair even
1: if it's just the <laughs> excess of hair we're
2: yeah. both gonna sweat in this room while you tell me all your problems) <laughs> For the same reason, um, do, do you find what what is the commonality for when brown people do come into your office? What is there a common reason that they're driven in, or are they? Is it are they more American? Or are they?
3: So I would say yes, almost to both. So I, I definitely see a lot more, I guess, Americanized uh, brown people who come in. Not that they've any in any way relinquished where they come from, just that they. Are not that that cultural experience is not somehow preventing them from seeking resources and seeking help the way that it does maybe for for people who are not as acculturated or assimilated if those words make sense mm-hmm. so yeah
1: okay excellent I wanted to ask do you think that um, there is a reason we know there is a stigma with receiving psychological help in India that. Uh, if one of your children has to see a therapist or need psychological help, then that person's crazy. It brings shame upon the family. Mm-hmm. I have no idea where this came from. and
2: I, I, I don't either, and I'm going to add to that. It seems really counterintuitive since Indians are so... Um, enthralled in pursuing science, and I feel like mental health is a form of medicine, and medicine is a a branch of science, and it strikes me as antithetical that seeing and knowing and reading papers and studies that prove that there is benefit in taking care of your mental health, that we as a community still shy away from that.
0: But I also feel like, in my experience, Indian people are very rational and not very in touch with their feelings. They're all about denying their feelings. Mm -hmm. So... That makes it hard to really take it seriously and to deal with any issues that you may be having if you are just kind of repressing it all.
3: Yeah, actually, that's a really. Both of you are making really good points because you know, Pujo, what you said makes a lot of sense. That if you're really interested in science, then maybe you would you would seek this, you would seek counseling as a really great avenue to to just be healthy overall. But Undu is correct that there is this sense that you know, we've got to stay logical. These these emotional things that are going on, they're not reasonable. They're not. Uh, they're not to be really taken seriously a lot of the time. And so I think that, and this sort of goes back to the earlier question of which brown people come to therapy, sometimes I get the people who come to therapy that their expectations for therapy are just sort of out of whack in the sense that they expect it to be very much like an actual medical doctor where they come in and they want an answer. They want the thing that's going to fix the problem. And there's a lot more to say about that in general, but I, but just to the point that, I mean, unfortunately. The therapy that I do, anyway, doesn't really look like that. I definitely work with strategies and tools, uh, but I also work a lot with empathy. And what I have found is that empathy isn't really valued. Um, empathy for self or empathy for other people. It's not as valued as, give me the solution to the problem. And if you're not going to get that within the first two sessions of therapy, a lot of brown people are like, well, then why are we here? Um, so, yeah.
1: That was a collective groan, <laughs> We are. Get, we need a minute.
2: <laughs> you know? what popped in my head. I was like, that makes sense considering we let British people do what they did to us. So, um, yeah, that makes sense that we would not rally behind our, our uh, own self. <laughs> you know?
3: Yes, yes, yeah.
0: yes. Well, That's and, an interesting way to put that.
3: And I think the other piece of that that I contemplated a lot this morning <laughs> in preparation for this is the... And again, I am not... There is no... Um, Judgment around this, this is just a fact that certainly um, West versus East, if you want to say it that way, there's the individualism versus the communalism. And I think that that is also really important. And I think that goes back to Miranda's question of, well, where did this whole thing come from that um, it's shame on your family? Well, there's a lot of factors, but I think one layer is I am not just me. I am an extension of a larger group. Mm. And so anything that I am is going to automatically define where I come from. That's and a good I point. really do believe families function that way. I mean, even today. So.
0: And that also kind of I thought that the communalism aspect also kind of points back to that denial of self. Because when you think right. of yourself as part of a larger community, it's easier to ignore your individualism. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah.
3: Absolutely. <clears throat> when really I think the balance is both. You don't want it to go to either extreme. It's just hard to do the both and, mm-hmm. but that's the goal I think. So, the first
1: time my mom had me go to a therapist, and I, uh, this was ten year more than ten years ago. So
0: sorry, I don't have to stop you, but so your mom took you to go see. a Took therapist. me to
1: see a so psychologist.
0: So that's already kind there's of there's
1: like a long there, yeah that's already and I, and there's a reason why she took me, but um, my mom. Uh, eventually received her own help for her own issues, but it wasn't until it would came got to a very, very bad point. Mm. And that's not where it's supposed to, be. what we're trying to encourage our community to do is to seek help long before it gets that bad. Uh, my mom finally got help for an issue hers, and I'm not going to um, share that because it's not my story to share, but um, she became an advocate for mental health Um, getting help when you need help. Um, It was shortly after a car accident I was in and she and I both noticed that I had trouble sleeping when I couldn't take a painkiller and I couldn't, I really, really, really couldn't sleep without the painkiller. Long after I stopped needing it for relieving the pain and we were both very confused by that. I was confused by that. I shared the information with her and we both watched me dunk the pills into the toilet. (laughs) So, I mean, I was very, very conscious that this wasn't right or normal
3: or healthy for you or
1: healthy for me. And so it was, um, no need to share what the pill was, but it was just a painkiller that was something I felt somehow deep down that I needed. So she, before I went off to grad school in Indiana, she thought it was important that I go see a psychologist. That was like a little over 10 years ago, but that was weird, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's not like I ever heard my parents advocate getting help mm-hmm. before, mm-hmm. but I think it, In this is crazy, no, it's not crazy. <laughs> Funny I use that word. but. <laughs> The effect of her helping me go get help changed the trajectory of my life, I think. Mm -hmm. And that was only because she got to a point where, a dangerous point, where she needed help and she decided to go get help, which is amazing. I can't say that that's been the situation for everyone in my family. Mm -hmm. There's people in my family who refused to get help. There's uh, people in extended parts of my family who didn't get help and... The unfortunate happened. And it's because of this stigma. So I think this is a very important conversation.
0: Yeah.
1: And we were wondering how can we, other than having conversations like this, because this is obviously a catalyst for that, but what ways can we foster a positive association with receiving mental health help from helping professionals? How can we foster that being normal and how can we help our friends and family be more self-compassionate when they need help? <laughs> Loaded yeah. question.
3: Lots of aspects, and so I'm Okay, the f- the conversations I think is so important is just is having it be something that we talk about because one of the things that I always tell people is if you shine a spotlight on anything that feels dark and shameful, it's no longer shameful because shame breeds in the darkness, in the shadows. So if you, if you talk about it, already you're diffusing the, the, the shame experience, at least to some degree. That, it, it makes it okay. And, and Miranda, that's what I was thinking about when you, said, when you were talking about your mom taking you to a psychologist and then getting help herself and then how that changed her trajectory. What I thought in my mind was, in some small way, she communicated to you that it was okay. It didn't mean anything bad about you. It just meant that sometimes we as people, as humans, need guidance and assistance from outside of ourselves and even outside of our family members because we can't we we can't know everything. We just don't. And, you know, I think the other thing is to consider wellness as a more holistic concept that your body and your mind and your health in general are all so interconnected. That anything that's going on in your world, whether it's within your family, in your relationships, or hello, post-election, anything in your world that impacts your mind or your heart can and will impact your body and vice versa. There are so many people out there who experience anxiety but experience it through digestion issues. There are people who experience headaches and painful neck spasms and panic attacks that feel like heart conditions, but it's because there's some kind of emotional component that they just have never allowed themselves to to pay attention to. So for me, it's that holistic piece, looking at it from that broader perspective and also looking at it from a preventive perspective, checking in with yourself, allowing yourself to actually have an experience, mental, emotional, or physical, and saying to yourself, how am I doing right now? How am I doing? Just check in with yourself. Scale of one to 10 if you need to. Paint yourself a picture. How am I feeling right now? And then if you notice an uptick in anxiety or a little bit of sadness, or heck, if you notice you're feeling joyful, you can respond accurately to it. You can respond appropriately, I should say, to it. Um, So then that's when you get into things like self-care or, if it's joy, keep on going.
2: (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm. Preach.
2: (laughs) I was going to ask if you wouldn't mind explaining the difference or at least the importance of seeking professional help Mm -hmm. versus talking about your issues with your circle and your friends.
3: Yeah, so I think... If you, if you have a good group of people in your life who can support you and help you, that's gonna, that's gonna prolong your life regardless, and it's gonna keep you healthier. So that's obviously really important to have the social network, wherever that comes from. I think where it becomes more than just what your social support can give you is when it's a recurring issue, for example, or certainly if you're dealing with things like, you know, you're feeling suicidal or you're having panic attacks. I mean, if it's really just taking over your life, then your friends are probably not equipped, your family's probably not equipped to really give you the time and the attention that you need and deserve to sort through what is really going on there. And I think that's really the the key, is that your friends are there for you, but it's a two-way relationship. The beauty of being with a therapist is that, yes, well, you should treat them with respect because they're (laughs) humans. They're there for you. They are absolutely 100% there just to give you the time and attention and the empathy that you need and deserve that is, to some degree, almost unrealistic in any regular relationship. I mean, you can have empathy and respect and, and mutuality, but it has to be mutual, that's the point. Whereas in a therapy relationship, you can you can basically come in and say, let's just talk about me. And I'm gonna say, that's exactly what we're here for. <laughs> so, does that,
2: <laughs> that? That does, it does, thank okay. you. Yeah, yeah. Um, because I feel like one of the excuses that, well, not excuses, one of the reasons Um, people aside from first gen or, you know, last gen like me, um, who've been, uh, who've been assimilated don't seek therapies because they feel like the therapist is not going to understand. They don't, like you were saying earlier about your, your background, your familial situation. So what are the tools that we can look for in finding a therapist that if, Mm -hmm. if that's an important, if that's so important that it keeps you from seeking help, like what, what would you tell somebody?
3: That's such a great point, and I would tell a person looking for a therapist who worries about that to ask that question before you make the first appointment. Um, it's, I mean, if you have a good therapist, they're going to actually talk about those issues. They're going to s- find an appropriate way to bring them up in the session, so that number one. Even though I might be Indian, that doesn't mean that I know your Indian experience. So I need to be humble enough to want to learn from you what your life and your family and your culture has been and how that impacts who you are today and any you know, issues you're, you're experiencing. So, but I think on that very first phone call, when you, when you ask, hey, you know, I'm looking for a therapist, you might say, one of my concerns... And this could be any concern you have, but specific to this one. One of my concerns is that I come from this kind of a background, and I'm interested to find out how you'll handle that or how you'll understand that. My response will be what I said earlier. I'm going to do my best to learn everything I can about you because you're the expert on your situation. Does that It make does. Sense?
2: It does. I had heard a long time ago that you get out of therapy what you put into it.
3: Yes. Yeah. That's for sure. <laughs> that is for sure. And, you know, if you feel more comfortable, they have a lot of, uh, gosh, ask the Google, uh, you know, there are some, Google, and, and I'll go ahead and I'll, I'll, I'll put it out there, Psychology Today and GoodTherapy.org are two really great resources, and you can put in there, you can specify language, you can specify, I think you can specify cultural background, and there's a lot more brown people showing up on those websites, those profiles, so just start scouring, start Googling, and find a few that you... You know, you read their profiles, you look at their websites, you think are you're you're maybe more comfortable with. Shoot an email, send a phone call, or you know, make a phone call, and just have that first connection be something that's actually helpful to you, because it really is about you. That's the point.
2: (laughs) Right, and there are all those new online where you can Skype with a therapist. So, I mean, I that opens up more options if you're specifically going to look for somebody that can understand you, whether it be as a woman, as an immigrant, as a brown person, as, as a trans person, whatever, that is an avenue, and we'll put it in the show notes for you to um, check that out, because I believe that's gaining in popularity now.
3: Yeah, there's a lot of, I mean, there are mobile apps for therapy now. Uh, there are so many online platforms for for just making therapy more accessible, and you know, I'm I'm brick and mortar and I'm I'm used to kind of doing the in in office thing, but whatever gets people what they need, go for it. I'm a
1: big fan of being in person for my therapy sessions mm-hmm. because whenever I speak with my therapist, Sally, hi Sally, you're never going to listen to this. So, <laughs> um whenever I am speaking with my therapist, it's not just that I receive empathy from her, In her words, I receive empathy from her with her facial expression Mm -hmm. and her body language and the oxygen that we are sharing, the comfort of her couch and the super soft throw she lets me (laughs) throw over myself (laughs) in that cold, cold office. But um, it's, for me... I will I don't see myself ever veering from that. And she makes herself available to me through phone and through email, but there is nothing like being face to face in person with my therapist and uh I I don't think I could ever go back from that. Just being around other human beings, there's nothing like it.
3: I I have to agree in terms of my preference that is what I prefer. Not only in how I provide therapy, but also in how I seek it out. Uh, there is an energy in the room that, by itself, is healing. And I, and I, I'm also—I can't remember the wording—but it, it, I'm, I'm not a native technology person, right? Because I went to school, uh, high school, and got my first cell phone in college. So, so for me, um, I, I'm still a little bit wary of tr- the way that people want to try to build relationships through technology. I don't think it's impossible but I think there is something that can be lost through a text message and email, uh, Skype, and of course, uh, any kind of web platforms are a little bit better because you can at least see faces, but there is something about being in contact with a person, in sharing space with a person, I think it is a different experience, but I am biased, so.
2: I co-sign all of that, but I'm also gonna apply it to why I don't online date. Like, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's the reason why right there. There you go, yeah. Yeah, for sure, for sure, yeah.
1: To move on from this topic, uh, we would like to talk about what's going on in our country right now. We have heard stories of there being hate crimes. We lost a fellow Indian. uh, He's an engineer from Kansas. I believe the city's called Olath or Olathi. Mm -hmm. Uh, His name is Srinivas. And he was shot and killed by a deranged person who shouted, get out of my country, before killing him and shooting two other men in the bar, another of whom was Indian. And there have been two other instances in a yard where people were shot just outside of their homes. And what is troubling to me about those stories is it has not been determined yet whether this was a hate crime. If somebody shouts, get out of my country, before they shoot, a brown person.
0: Yeah. What? Are, what exactly? What is the requirement to call something a hate crime? I Man,
2: y'all are gonna make me look
0: something up? I thought you'd be prepared for this. What's, <laughs> what's really funny is that Easy. I I actually
2: <laughs> wrote about this this week and have the definition of a hate crime in there. Good. Great. Um, so. Basically, let me let me get it. I mean,
0: because it seems to me that a hate crime would be anything where somebody is killing you because they hate you just for existing and not because of a specific thing that you have done. Or a
1: characteristic.
2: Right.
0: right. That seems like it's a hate crime. Right. But, you know, I'm a layperson.
2: <laughs> I am essentially a layperson as well. <laughs> Told you I'm a shitty Indian. Okay. <laughs> so, um, section 249 of um, the... 18 U.S.C. section 249, that's the code, defines, uh, that's the Federal Hate Crime Act, defines that in general, offenses involving actual or perceived race, color, religion, or national origin, whoever, whether or not acting under color of law willfully causes bodily injury to any person or through the use of fire, a firearm, a dangerous weapon or any explosive or incendiary device attempts to cause bodily injury to any person because of the actual or perceived race color religion or national origin of any person um and it goes on that 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 statute is a little bit longer but basically if it walks like a duck.
3: It talks like a duck. It's a goddamn duck. And so we... I was going to say we've got we've got we've got nationality in terms of get out of my country, and we had the firearms. We had so... the firearms, and
2: we also have witnesses, especially in Kansas, um, multiple witnesses that said the guy went on a rant before he went home and got his gun and came back and specifically shot shouted "get out." So to the people at the bar, the lay people, it was perceived racial m- racially motivated. Now I'm with you, Miranda. I had written down to talk about. Um, that I'm angry that it's taking so long to call these things a hate crime. And specifically, I'm looking at it in terms of, I'm just so confused as to why it's not. There's the logical reason as to, it's, it's clearly defined as a hate crime. And then there's also the nuance of this is 45's world now, and his attorney general will never define these things as hate crimes, right? right. So uh, so th- that could be a reason why. But, uh, you know, then we have the concerns of the fourth estate. The media is supposed to be independent. And so I went back and I looked to see how long it took after the um, South Carolina church massacre before okay. it mm-hmm. was called.
0: That was my question, is how long does it normally take for something to be declared a hate crime? Oh, it was yeah. Immediate. It was what? immediate. Are you yeah. serious? It was immediate.
2: That's
3: the first thing they were talking about. Yeah, nice. CNN.
2: Mm-hmm. Potential hate crime. Not Not potential hate crime. Um, assumed hate crime, alleged hate crime. They said that, but immediately once the, bo- the body count rose, it was hate crime. That's right. what he was convicted on. That's what he's getting the death penalty for is a hate crime. He also, it was discovered last week, drove to a different church before they found him. So he was going to continue this bullcrap.
0: I did hear that. Yes. Yeah. So,
2: um, so that I'm a little concerned about in the sense that we have, um, our community, the brown community does not, I mean, it's shocking, shocking to us, but outside of us, what are our friends and family who aren't Brown saying about, are they are they also terming it hate crime? Do they see what we see? You know, it, it, that, that's the part of it that's bothering me because the longer we take to identify it as a hate crime, the more it's normalized as just crime, mm-hmm. right? So um, in the article I wrote um, a couple of weeks ago, I had looked up the FBI crime stats from 2000 to 2015. This, the 2016 report hasn't been um, completed yet, but there have been 800 hate crimes Specifically targeting South Asian people since 9/11,
0: mm-hmm.
2: right? And that mm-hmm. is also working in tandem with the doubling of our population. Not counting diaspora, none of these none of these crimes count diasporic Indians. It's right. just from really? the motherland. Yes, interesting. Yeah, because they don't staff those, and that's a
0: separate I, podcast episode all by itself. I guess I, I wouldn't have <laughs> guessed that the government could tell the difference between a Indian. And a diasporic Indian, I would just, I would figure that they would just assume everybody was Indian. So Mm -hmm. we're nervous. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And, and it's not just the killing and the murder that makes us nervous. It's the idea that we feel like because of the media's take on this, you know, even Vox, a site that I love, I love Liz Plank, um, even that headline was was this a hate crime just for like why did you write that you know it it's a goddamn duck <laughs> <laughs> it's a goddamn duck that was a hate crime and uh why are why is that question even being asked for clicks i feel like no one's on our side i i i don't want to go that far but I'm with
2: you. I see. Yeah. I see. It, it, it gives rise to a pattern, right? So if you are not calling it a hate crime, so at the same time, when you are getting off a domestic flight and being asked to show your passport on a domestic flight, um, that's not going to be seen as harassment. That's going to be seen as normal behavior to be asked, right? right. right. So that that's my concern. Um, not not so much feeling ignored, but on the road to being abandoned. And I say on the road because, and I hate, I hate, I hate, I hate that I'm about to say this so much. It's gonna be up to the brown community to make this a thing.
0: Mm-hmm. Like
2: this has to be a thing. It's not, That's true. we have a pattern as Indians, as immigrants to say, let me just step back. This ain't my fight. Let me go ahead and not do anything. And doing that in in the terms of Black Lives Matter and things like that has led to this moment, right? right? Yes. We didn't stand up. We watched for 16 years as our Muslim brothers and sisters got it bad. They got it in the court of public opinion. They got it in in um, court of law. They, they. I mean, pop culture. What What has happened to them and we as the other half of that brown coin? didn't do anything it's not just that we're getting confused for other brown people that we're like oh shit
0: well and, i mean you said it was 800 from 9-11 so we've always been confused for other brown people exactly
2: and i'm saying that now that we've watched for 16 years of 800 crimes get committed and not do anything you know, and I'm going to use this moment to throw some shade at Nikki Haley. Um, <laughs> go, ahead. Because, we, we, go ahead. Because we have Indians out there who are in positions of power, like the governor of South Carolina, and during the Charleston uh, church massacre, she said she didn't have the power to take the Confederate flag down from the Capitol when those bodies were laying in state. Like, what the hell, bitch? You're the governor. Like, mm. that is shady. It wasn't until public pressure came on her that she was like, "Let's let's take that flag down. The second she became governor, she should have had that flag taken down. As I'm, not, I'm, I'm, I'm going to stop.
1: But the but, preoccupation was assimilation, and it was not standing up for your own. And that's a metaphor right. for this entire situation.
0: And that goes. How, do we want to talk about how that goes back to our model minority status? Yes. <laughs> we we're, We don't complain. We don't stand up for ourselves. We just get along, basically.
2: And that's why now I'm saying, in order for this to be an issue, we got to stop
3: with that.
0: So, Shamila.
1: <laughs>
3: yes. I am doing some good active listening right now. Please.
1: Help. <laughs> <laughs> so, we, don't, we not only have the anxiety of, because we live in a conservative state, Unju makes the drive from Austin yeah, in the
0: ponies. I drive up and down I 35, which, for those of you who are not from Texas, is the corridor to hell. Mm basically once a month at minimum. (coughs) And I've been doing that for four years now since I've lived in Austin. I have never thought twice about it, whether I was driving during the day or at night until right after the election, I told these girls, the first time I came up here was Thanksgiving weekend. And that was the first time I was kind of nervous about it because there are a million small little white towns along that highway. And I felt silly being a little nervous about it. I thought I was, I, I knew I was being paranoid and I was being ridiculous. And I got past it pretty quickly. This week, yesterday, driving up at night down my favorite stretch of this highway where there's not a lot of traffic and it's 75 miles per hour, so I can speed like I like to. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And it was dark. And I find myself thinking, I'm in the middle of nowhere and I can't even see if there's a cop coming up. If I get pulled over, am I gonna be okay? Mm -hmm. Like for the first time, I'm thinking, I don't know that. I mean, I've, I've gotten tickets before. I've never doubted that it was gonna be a very uncomfortable 10 minute interaction. And that I would be $200 poorer at the end of it, but I would be on my way. But for the first time yesterday, I was like, hmm, maybe I should be more careful.
2: I'm like that too. I drive super, when I realized, cause it's natural for me to speed on regular streets. Um, <laughs> but, but I'm very cognizant now that I'm like, if I get pulled over, I'm, I don't want to be the Indian version of Sandra Bland. Like mm, I don't, right. I'm not ready for martyrdom yet. Um, eventually, I'll get there, you guys. Um, <laughs> You're on your back. But, um, yeah, no, but, but I'm aware of that, too. And usually I go through life like, no, motherfucker. Just to be <laughs> just to be
1: clear, we are not stating that Sandra Bland uh, was a martyr in any way. But Pooja but was saying, or
2: right. be a yeah. martyr. Yeah, right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, We
1: are advocates for Black Lives Matter. Right, yeah. Anyhow, just to be clear.
2: Yeah, just so, so, you know, in the sense that now there's a heightened level of fear that's seeped down into even our everyday living rather than just my general, I'm in an open space who has a gun. You know, Mm -hmm. like in institutions that are supposed to be protective, you know, like Customs and Border Patrol, you know, they, I just don't know how to navigate the world now as confidently as I did before.
3: Mm. Agreed. Help. (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, I'm really just processing all of this because as I started, one of my very first shitty Indian points was that I don't always share these anxieties because my skin color lets me off in a certain way. Most people just don't, they don't know what I am, but they don't necessarily associate me with anything, South Asian, Muslim, any of that. And I think the other thing that's really interesting is this, this conversation around, you know, brown people not doing anything when the Muslims were getting it bad. And my family comes from a Muslim background. So I'm sitting here and I'm thinking about what that has really looked like for our community, um, the Ismaili community. And I know that, again, I'm not a huge, I'm not in it, in it. uh, But the people that I know, I'm I'm thinking about what does that really look like? Because I remember seeing hashtag not in my name. (laughs) But then I also have seen... um, some of this separation that, oh, that's, it's, it's almost like a, that's not us. That's not our people. That's not our Brown people. We, we take care of our Brown people, just not all of the, all of the Brown people. And I, and again, I, I, I'm not trying to speak ill of anybody. I am just going by the experiences that I've had personally. So it's, it's just interesting to, and, and I think that's what I've become more cognizant of is that there are people in my life that I share some kind of blood relation with, and and I mean that all the way back to the motherland, I suppose. <laughs> um, that obviously we have something in common here, and yet there are things we don't have in common. And I have to be so aware of, okay, so what is it like for my brothers and my sisters? What is it like for the people who look a little different from me? I mean, I even think about my little brother. He he has your skin coloring. He's much darker. I have family members who who look the part, I guess. And, you know, he lives in Spain, and he was stopped at an airport stopped while brown. And so I I you know, was thinking about driving while brown, like these are real things. And I remember how intense it was um, in Austin right after 9-11 and the, the horrible things that were being said to my Pakistani hijabi friend, you know, meaning that she covers, she's Muslim. And it's it's bizarre to think that this is where we are right now. So Miranda, every time you ask, when you say help, I'm thinking, who's going to help me? (laughs) I don't know either. I'm still trying to wrap my head around all of this.
2: You
0: know? So. Uh,
3: I think we probably
2: are going to have to, and I said this in our planning session, we're going to have to lean on the black community on how to handle this. How Mm -hmm. they have in the past... Of
0: course. uh, As we have... They um, are models. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately. They've been the ones leading the civil rights um, movement all along, and we have always benefited from that exactly without
2: doing anything just being quiet in the background yeah
0: now it's time for us to uh learn from their example
3: Mm
0: -hmm.
3: yeah yeah we were we were kind of safe for a while i I guess i guess you guys posted an article about the whole you know because i remember growing up indian and then having to choose am i more white or am i more black and i remember seeing people divide themselves that way i never quite understood it but it because in this country, race was always a black and white issue. Exactly. So all the rest of us had to choose a side. We just choose a side. Yeah. And we chose a side. And th- that by itself is just bizarre. But I think today, those of us who might have chosen white no longer get that choice, it feels like. Now we're just sort of being lumped in with anybody who doesn't look that way.
2: Now it's a realization, I feel, because I- I'm going to openly say this, I didn't choose white. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like now it's the realization if you've been around um, other people who have experienced like racism, like that has been, you know, the people in my circle for a long time, that this stuff is not surprising. It's surprising to watch other brown people be surprised by it, quite frankly. Mm -hmm. So, and um, I don't know if that's because we either lived in a bubble where we thought we were untouchable Mm -hmm. because of our quote unquote model minority status, or if that's because our choice of assimilation and that we didn't see it coming that because in that manner.
0: And I, I'll admit I did choose white and I've, I've always been lucky that I haven't really experienced racism and maybe, and I, I've always wondered, I don't know if that's just because I, I was oblivious, which is very possible because I live in my head a lot. Um, I live there too well, <laughs> <I> live there. <laughs> Hi. Hi. Right. that would be really interesting <laughs> all, yesterday Angie had this drink <laughs> uh, so I, I feel like I'm, I'm, I have the type of personality where even if I did experience it it probably would not have registered with me that that's what had happened um, so, so I have been surprised to suddenly be, have my eyes open to it and realize that this is something that is going on I'll admit that. Same.
1: I was, it was a mixture of things. I didn't choose anything. I was just weird. And out (laughs) of the two cultures that accepted my weirdness, uh, the white side kind of got me. And I've got to say, it's more out of the rejection of the Indian culture that Mm -hmm. I assimilated to um, white America. Same.
2: same thing for me. That's why I assimilated with a more, um, I'm going to say urban, because where I grew up, it was very Hispanic and black. Um, See, this but, is
0: funny, because you and I grew up basically in the same neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I moved oh. to your neighborhood oh, later. Wait, that's right, uh, right. I moved to your
2: neighborhood later. Um, you after nine when I was, years, right? Yeah, when I was in college is when we moved over there. Oh. Um, but, no, we lived over on the other side of town. But, um, but for that reason, a few Indian people at school we're all friends, we've always been friends, but it's like, I'm not Indian enough to play with you guys because I didn't bring samosas for lunch. So, <laughs> you know, so I, I, I adapted, that's what I did. And my crew is my crew and I wouldn't change how I was, how I assimilated and how I grew up because I feel like that, that made me who I am today. Um, but at the same time, that doesn't save any of us from 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 go back to your country. You know, right, like, it doesn't save any of us. No. That differentness
0: the, yeah. the other thing that's interesting about that is I, I didn't, wasn't rejected per se. There just weren't Indian people around me where I was growing up. But I did grow up in a very diverse neighborhood. Mm-hmm. So there were black people and Hispanics and Vietnamese, actually, and white people. So I, maybe that's part of why I feel like we didn't really experience racism because it was such a multicultural neighborhood. Um, but there were also just not Indians for me to assimilate with.
1: We were kids right. and we didn't notice because why should we have to notice anything Right, as children?
0: I, I have noticed, my sister and I have talked about how as adults, it, it's occurred to me that most of our friends from childhood are immigrant kids. Mm-hmm. So while they weren't necessarily Indian, they were immigrants. They were immigrants. We did have that shared experience. Huh. Yeah. Hmm.
2: I had a group of girls in high school. We called ourselves the Rice Girls, <laughs> because when we would go on school trips, math and science or journalism or whatever, um, we'd always sneak out because everything they would, they, you go eat pizza or hamburgers and I'm like, Bleh. we want rice. Yeah. <laughs> we are Asian. We want rice. And so there was me, there was a Vietnamese woman, a Filipina, and a Korean woman. Um, well, Kore- what I just said. Hyphen American. So, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> and so they are all first generation or last generation, mm-hmm. like me, and then um, my other group of friends are children of immigrants. So, that I didn't notice that until you pointed it out. That's amazing. Yeah. Hmm. yeah.
1: So, we are coming out of the shadows, so to speak, to circle back to what Shamila was saying. We, this facade isn't holding anymore.
0: Well, on top of that, we also have the we can no longer pretend that this isn't about Indians, that we're just being confused. We've also got politics that is, that is specifically targeting Indians at this point.
2: By Indian people. I'm talking about the, med, the FCC guy and the Medicaid lady. We'll get to that. Right, a right. We'll... Oh,
0: okay. I was also talking about you know, the, <laughs> the, uh, the, the attempts to change immigration law, to, to change H-1B visas, those are things that specifically target Indian people and to the family us one. out of this country. Yeah. Yes, also changing the family visa program, uh-huh. um, something that Indian people also take advantage of in great numbers.
2: And, I mean, just, just to be a little fair, um, the U.K. has also... Um, Taken away a lot of what with Brexit,
0: you mean? Well, yes. <laughs> yeah. 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 Let's <laughs> not. Don't
3: talk
2: mm-hmm. about
0: Brexit. Yeah, yeah. No. I, feel, <laughs> I feel like that's the same. That's the same thing that we're dealing with. Right. On a continent. Right. the Same backlash, I, was, I guess. I
2: was gonna specifically call out that the UK had stopped their child refugee program. Their ah. Dobbs, something or other, um, and there are kids in Calais that drift over to a camp that is known to traffic humans um, because programs like this have ended all over the world.
1: So, um,
2: you know, yay.
1: Uh, I had a friend <laughs> tell me, um, shortly she made a comment on Facebook cause I was talking about how awful traffic was on I-35 in Texas. And she goes, you should come to the UK. I said, please, can I uh-huh. get me out of here? And she goes, it's not much better over right. here. Yeah. Right. But, um, well we're talking about it, right? Shamila?
3: That's right. We're talking about it and we're processing it. And maybe I think what ends up happening is, as I said earlier, if you can't, you know, you gotta do the empathy and the understanding and the conversation, and then maybe you, you you get eventually to some kind of problem solving, some kind of solution oriented discussion. And I think that I think that's what we're
0: working on. Maybe? Can we talk about self care and public safety tips for dealing with a, our anxiety, our <laughs> <A, laughs> actual
3: safety. Uh, okay, so okay, so self-care, um, dealing with the anxiety around the concerns that we're discussing? Is right. that okay? Generalized, I suppose, anxiety. You know, I think, well, let me do this. I'm going to throw this question back to y'all ladies. So what, when, you, when you hear the word self-care, what does that even mean to you?
1: For me, it means basic, very basic mm-hmm. things. Take a shower, <laughs> brush your teeth, mm-hmm. uh, drink water, mm-hmm. and eat actual meals. Because when I'm being crushed by anxiety, those things fall to the wayside and I don't even think about them as things I need. And uh, first of all, nobody needs to smell me like that. <laughs> and you'd be surprised. I don't <laughs> 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 but I'm, I'm saying those are things that I don't think of as things I need. And anxiety kind of fools me into that, um, and that obviously has will create health problems for me. That
3: exacerbate the
1: anxiety mm-hmm. so, and the
3: depression that comes with And along the depression,
1: that.
3: and so I'll comment on what Miranda said. So sometimes. When, and I'll put depression and anxiety because for me, it's not so much anxiety, it's sadness that we're mm-hmm. talking about these things and I feel heavy. And that gets me sitting on the couch and watching TV and eating way too many candies and things and chocolate. So for me, what Miranda is saying is so important that we have to, sometimes we actually have to limit our expectations for ourselves around I I just need to make sure that I'm at the ground level taking care of my physical needs. So that's food, water, uh, hygiene, and, you know, breathing fresh air. So that's statement one. Okay, who's next? (laughs) Uh, Let's see. I I agree with that. It's not just anxiety. It is also depression.
0: And for me, I'm not a person who carries a lot of anger, so I'm getting exhausted of being angry so much. yeah. So that's something that I've been dealing with. Uh, my personal struggle in self-care is to get enough sleep. Mm-hmm. I have turned into a person who goes to bed at like two o'clock every morning, even though I have to be up at eight to go to work. <laughs> so this is something I need to, it's a cycle I need to break and I'm having trouble with it. So just getting enough sleep is kind of my, my thing. Yeah,
3: it's and it's funny, I didn't even, we were talking about basic needs and thank you for, sleep is probably one of the most important things we can do because sometimes, Taking a nap or, or getting a good night's rest is probably one of the best things we can do because it allows everything to reset so that we can start again in the morning um, or later in the day whenever you you wake up. So um, <laughs> three hours later. Three, three hours later. later. <laughs> so, oh, we're on
0: the same schedule. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. that's.
3: Yeah, we yeah. know that because they're texting till 2 o'clock in the morning every
2: right, night. Right. Yeah. 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 So you're not helping each other. We are not helping so, each other. So
3: hash, <laughs> hashtag sleep hygiene is something else everybody, everybody should look into. Sleep hygiene. It tells you all about how to create the best environment for restful sleep. It also has a way to talk about the, the kinds of activities, foods, drinks, things that you should and should not do before winding your body down to get ready for sleep. Um, And I will also just throw it out there. Yoga Nidra is another really great way to uh, promote restfulness. It's a relaxation form of yoga that is, um, my understanding is that one yoga practice can feel like, you know, 45 minutes of Yoga Nidra can feel like a whole night's rest. So do that. Um, you know, meditation and all that good stuff too. But sleep hygiene and yoga nidra. Check it out. Uh, shitty Indian
1: here. How do you spell that?
3: Yes, absolutely. Um, <laughs> yoga, Y-O-G-A, nidra. Thank you for that. <laughs> Girl, Please. I'm
1: embarrassed. I... Finally, know how to spell yoga. No, sorry,
3: right. right. sorry. And then I'm glad you said that because I was planning on spelling it, so thank you for yeah. asking. N I D as in dog, R A, Nidra. Thank you. Hopefully okay, that'll fair. show up in some notes somewhere. We'll definitely yes. have to take that out. Yeah.
0: Yes. Okay. Yeah.
3: Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so puja.
2: <laughs> my self care, um, it's kind of weird. I, the things that you were saying, Miranda, like the basics taking a shower, those are automaton reactions for me, so they're not part of my self care. My self care is doing something that actually brings me joy because I am by nature a grumpy person, mm-hmm. um, as sarcastic person and that manifests itself into like Anju was saying being angry a lot, but unlike Anju, I'm used to being angry. I've grown up with, uh, with a lot of, um, anger. Um, and I manage it better now, um, through self care and therapy. But the, um, the thing I do for myself is I will go see a movie I will go eat by myself. I will mm-hmm. listen to, uh, for the listeners, we are recording at my apartment and behind me is a wall of Harry Potter stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I will get lost in any one of these books, um, the, the audio books, anything. Just give myself 30 minutes to reset so that the rest of my day or hour or you know afternoon isn't ruined. Um, I'm 50% successful in doing that. Um, Which but is I, better than zero. Better than zero, yes. And so um, one of the things that I've been doing, I'm in the middle of a 45-day positivity challenge yeah. that I read about in Forbes, and I'll try and find the article, that basically the author was like, you take a solid minute every day and be positive, mm. just positive thoughts, That's because me. you need to retrain your brain to default to positivity. And then I went on to in the cycle of cortisol and, and all that oh, stuff wow. that lead to you know a cycle of negativity. So I'm in the middle of that right now. Um, And I think that is um, my biggest self-care project for the first quarter. Yeah,
3: yeah. so wonderful things I'm hearing there. So, you know, when you said 50% better and and I said that's better than zero, that's, again, about expectations. So make sure that whatever your expectations for yourself are (laughs) reasonable and reasonable can change based on your situation, based on your current status, based on what's going on in the world, in in your life, in your family, and at work. So, and I've always told people a little bit better is still better so that's important Okay, I, it's incremental change
2: I agree and the thing that took me a long time to realize is that incremental change and this is so stupid and so cliche that it sounds like I feel like an idiot for not seeing it before but literally you're a different place than you were yesterday so you're always
3: like <laughs> that's a small victory yeah exactly yes. like small
2: victories add up like those yes. things you've been hearing from you know old people all your life it's true <laughs> <laughs> Damn it! <laughs>
3: Wait, wait, yeah. not all of it. Don't well, we yeah, getting yeah.
0: married, yeah. having
1: <laughs> kids is the best
3: situation <laughs> for you.
1: That is understood.
3: <laughs> so the other thing is, you know, whether it's this positivity challenge or just I like the concept of just looking for joy. I think a lot of people think that happiness and joy are just things that happen to you. And truthfully, you can find, and it's hard sometimes, and I get that, it's hard for me sometimes, but you look for what is something that will bring me either joy or, or, or happiness or any of those things, or just peace, or just quiet, or just something different, something separate from what I'm feeling right now. And so, again, reading a, a great story, watching a movie, taking yourself out for a nice meal, you know, not just because you're hungry, but because you deserve to be treated. Those are really, really important things. And, and we can have gratitude for the, the good things going on in our lives. And then we can create things to be grateful for in very small ways. And, and any effort that you make in that, that direction is life-changing in that moment. And let's all remember that the moment is all we have anyway.
1: Thank you so much for being with us, Shamila. I think I speak for everyone here when I say everything you said, I just feel like the fact that we're putting it out there means that someone may hear it and go, oh, so I think something very, very important has gone down today.
0: Agreed.
2: Agreed. Mm-hmm. And I believe it so much that um, we are officially inviting you back whenever you want.
3: Yes. Open um, door. <laughs> I am moving in. Bro. <laughs> this is fun. This is this is actually this is almost bucket listy for me because I was thinking I'd love to be on a podcast. Um, so uh, thank you. Open door. Thank, thank you so, so much. much. For real.
2: We'll always have you as the fourth chair. Sweet. And um, notice to guest number two through infinity. Uh, she laid down a gauntlet for y'all. Yeah. So, good luck. <laughs> Unlike forty fives, when you can just read off of a teleprompter and be praised for it, you got to come here and be, you know, amazing. So,
1: uh, just for the record, anyone could be better than that. My, my dog could do a better job guest hosting than that. So, you're you're fine. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's gonna be okay. It's gonna be okay. Yeah. Uh, we probably don't want to scare away all prospective perspic- guests. Yeah. So,
1: um, with that. Uh, said Uh, thank you Shamila Uh, this has been Miranda
3: Andrew and Pooja (laughs) and Shamila
1: (laughs) (laughs) thanks for listening